Hello, friends, and welcome to Bantering the Blue Shirts with me, Mike Murphy, and Tom, Tom Urch Jr. Tom, happy holidays. How was your How was your Christmas, Tom? I would say my Christmas was pretty good. Um, it was pretty low-key, just mom, dad, brother, sister, nephew, that type of thing. I uh, was home, and yeah, it was it was pretty good. How, how was yours? My Christmas was both fine and dandy. Uh, my family kept it simple this year. We all just met at my second oldest brother's place, and instead of doing like a big, crazy Christmas dinner, we just had like a bunch of little appetizer snack things you know like a bunch of little finger foods and you know bacon wrap scallops that sort of stuff so it wasn't like a meal meal it was more just Mm -hmm. a chatting and everyone just eating a little bit of everything and it was really good I had fun I talked to my nephew about uh, video games he's 13 and I got stuck talking to him about video games for like four hours but other than that it was a great time it was very cute and sweet but i i reached my breaking point of reminding myself why i'm not going to have children anyway um speaking of children it's only been two games tom since the last time uh we talked and the rangers have won both of those games against two teams that many folks would consider to be pretty good teams the beat the carolina hurricanes and they beat the toronto maple leafs but before we jump into those things. I think we should just kind of talk about a little bit of news that came out today, which is not at all surprising, but very much deserved, which is Artemi Panarin is an NHL All-Star. For the very first time, which I was kind of surprised when I first heard that, but then I thought back and, you know, how the format of the All-Star game is, where it's you're really in a situation where it's the format sucks. <laughs> yeah, like one player per team, some player some teams getting two or three and then I'm thinking, well, he was with the Blackhawks and you know when you have a team with the with the players that the Blackhawks did, it's easy to get caught in the shuffle. And then I was surprised that he he didn't make it when he was a member of the Columbus Blue Jackets, but he's with a Ranger now and he's going to the All-Star game and it is well deserved. Yeah, it's also it was weird to me, like, this will be Dougie Hamilton's first All-Star game, and um, there's another guy in there that really surprised me. I forget who it was, but um, I think I think it might have also... No, it was Huberto. It was Jonathan Huberto's first All-Star game. It's like, He's having an amazing season. I don't know. I don't like the format. I get the idea of every, it would be nice if every team sends an All-Star, but guess what? Sometimes, <laughs> if you want the best product on the ice you're gonna have to leave a couple like a a couple teams out like you know you can be you can be a bad team and have a great player but there are some teams that don't really have like a superstar guy you know what i mean like uh you know there i know there's a couple teams this year that are you know kind of getting by with offense by committee and they don't have a guy like a panarin uh you know who's you know, who has 51 points in 38 games, I think it is. And, you know, in the, for many, many years, the only, it was like a no-brainer that Lundqvist was the only Ranger who kind of deserved to go, with a couple of exceptions in there. Um, but, yeah, this is where we are with Panarin, and it's it's great. It's it's surprising that it's his first All-Star game, and maybe Mika Zibanejad will get to go. Depends on how, how much Rangers fans uh, get motivated to try and vote him in. Um, I think it would be a nice thing for him. I know a lot of people just don't care about the All-Star game, and I don't blame 
those people, Tom. But I wanted to ask you, do you think he's in trouble with this? Because the way it works with this like last man in thing is a guy gets voted in for each division. And so Mika is the Rangers like delegate representative. His competition is Claude Giroux, Teo Teravainen, Nick Foligno, Nico Heischer, Brock Nelson, Chris Letang, and TJ Oshie. Do you think he's in trouble, or do you think Mika has a good shot? Uh, if we're talking about offensive ability and we're talking about production, you got to think that Zibanejad, who has 30 points in 25 games, is more deserving than, say, Oshie, who has 27 points in 40 games, or Giroux, who has 27 points in 39 games. The fact that Zibanejad has been as productive as he has with the limited games played is is something um, that I think should be taken into consideration. But like as you said, it's a popularity contest. Now, one thing that he has, I think, somewhat in his favor is the reason it's so forward heavy in this last, um, you know, man vote is Ovechkin was named the captain of the team. He is not going to the all-star game. Um, he cited he wants to rest for, you know, the potential playoffs. So you look at the current roster of forwards. It's Matt Barzell, who's a center, Jake Gensel, who is a winger, Kyle Pomeri is a winger, Artemi Panarin, who is a winger, and then you have um, Travis Konechny of the the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, you know he's having you know a decent season with thirty, or actually a very good season. Um, he's listed as a right wing on NHL.com. I'm not sure if that's the position that he plays because I've seen places where Chris Kreider is listed as a center, but either, (laughs) yeah, but either way, um, even though it is a three on three where it really is positionless hockey, you got to think that Zibanejad is the best center who's currently not in the all-star game out of the, the Metro division. So, um, I would think that the fans are going to get the vote out because Zibanejad is one of the Rangers' most popular players. A lot of people think he should be the captain of the team. So uh, how how fans mobilize will, will be interesting to me. But um, I, I like his chances for the fact that it would be really cool to see him and Panarin in a three-on-three tournament, um, you know, with everyone, you know, watching. Yeah, if it was based on meritocracy, I think this would be Mika's... Mika would have it in the bag just because of what he, what he's done, and how he measures up to those other players, particularly with this season, as you mentioned, with productivity. But yeah, it's it's a popularity contest, so we'll have to see what happens. It's whether or not Rangers, particularly those Rangers who are you know social media savvy, they're online, whether or not they get motivated and make it happen. I hope it. I hope it does happen. I, I think it's a fun thing, especially for a young team to have stuff like that because. I know it might sound cheesy or corny, but to a young locker room having, you know, your first line center and, and Panarin like be all stars that means a little something. You know what I mean? It's it's not a bad thing to add to a guy's resume, especially for Mika, who, you know, all signs as you were saying, this could be the Rangers captain one day. So, yeah, I'm for it. I mean, you know, there's the odd chance that someone might get injured in an all-star game, but I, I don't know. I think it's highly unlikely for where the game is now and the format it's in. So it is what it is. 
I yeah. just I just want nice things, Tom. In a season like this, it's nice to have nice things. But let's let's go and talk quickly about the two games, and then we'll catch up on some other stuff. I mean, we have some World Juniors to talk about. We have Buchnevich getting singled out to talk about. We have a whole lot of things to talk about. But uh, we can easily use Zbigniew as a segue because uh, he's... It's really been the last couple of games, like Zbenejad, Kreider, uh, Panarin, as always, and Strom have just been on a tear. Like, uh, you know, I think Mika had a, what was it, a two-goal game, or was it just a one-goal game uh, against Carolina? No, it was a two-goal game, both on the power play. And, you know, Kreider is finding the back of the net now, which is obviously a big deal for a lot of reasons. And Ryan Strom, who had gone through a pretty significant goal-scoring drought is starting to bury pucks again, which is nice to see. Um, I don't know. What was your takeaway from Carolina, Tom? My takeaway from the, the Carolina game, it was one where the Rangers are the Rangers are, are playing some... I don't, I don't know how the best way to describe it because you don't want to... You, you, you try not to be overly critical... Um, of a loss, but it wasn't one of their 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 best games. Um, you enter the the first period ends, it's tied one goal apiece, and then the Rangers break out for three goals in in the second period, and they're going into the dressing room with it, um, you know, four to two. And my first thought was, okay, are the Rangers going to go into um, you know, a turtle shell? Are they just going to, you know, completely shut down and, um, you know, allow the the Hurricanes to um, walk all over them? And it was a situation where that kind of happened because of the Hurricanes score quick uh, in the period, so that it's a, it's a one goal game, and, and so I'm starting to get these these thoughts to, in mind. It's like, oh no, here we go again, but. Lundqvist was an absolute beast in the third period. The Rangers get outshot 14 to 5. He ends the game with 39 saves on 42 shots, and he would have been, um, you know, one save away from having three 40 save wins against the Hurricanes this season. Um, so yeah, like, like you said, the Hurricanes are a team that's, you know, referred to as like, you know, a um, a Corsi darling. And that was very much the case in this game. The spread was 30, yeah. uh, <laughs> 63.86% for the Hurricanes, 36.14% for uh, the Rangers. Um, and it wasn't, it was not pretty unexpected goals either. Uh, almost 55% for the Hurricanes, uh, 45 for the Rangers. So, um, yeah, it was it was an interesting game. It's it's the best way for me to put it. Yeah, it is to me it's interesting that they came away with a win in that one. This was a game where I only got to watch the condensed game. I've been very busy and hectic with family and friends and uh recently with work, so I didn't get to see the Toronto game either, which is why I'm just going to lean on Tom like he's uh, like a pimp cane tonight. Um do do pimps lean on their canes or are the the canes just for show? Never. I don't really know, to be quite yeah. honest. It's, it's something something to stew on. But 
you know, Hank had a great game from what I understand, uh, you know, from what I saw in Carolina. And then uh, the Toronto game, uh, something is, you know, interesting. Like, I watched the condensed version, but, you know, I like to try and watch the full game when I can. Um, I'll have to go back and do that sometime, uh, you know, probably after the Rangers play the Oilers, which are the next opponent. And uh, something that stood out to me, Tom, was that this was the game that had the most five-on-five hockey the Rangers have played this season. Um, And they went up against a team that has obviously a lot of talent. Um, And Toronto, of course, you know, somewhat similar to the Rangers in that their glaring weakness is the blue line. Many would agree. And, you know, the Rangers' guns kept them in in this game. And you got a Brett Howden goal, which which is always fun and unexpected. Uh, Mika strikes again, Strom strikes again, and then Tony D'Angelo just, in overtime, just rolls the dice. Tony D, that's what he does. Um, he does that, and he spends a lot of time on Twitter. But, you know, but the, he went for it, and you know what? Yeah, it worked. So, and that was like in the first, what was it, like 50 seconds of OT. And uh, Rangers come away with... A big win, of course, and the thing that stood out the most to me, was it after this game where Quinn had his quote about, like... The only only stat that matters is winning? Yeah. I wanted to talk to you about that. (laughs) Just win, baby. Yeah, it's it's Al Davis, right? (laughs) It's... Yeah, exactly. my, My problem with that is that... I mean, I think the problem with that should be self-evident. It's... Even in, like, you can get away with it a little more in something like a football season because when it's 16 games, like, hockey, it's, there. there's a lot of random chance in hockey. Like, that's why we look at things like PDO and we look at things like, you know, how many times players, you know, miss the net and how many posts they hit and stuff. But Mm -hmm. for goodness, like, God, why can't, why can't the Rangers find a head coach who will just be like, yeah, um, I'm aware of what the stats say, and you know, uh, you know, I, there's things we got to work on. Why? Why did the, it's the sophisticated stats package, and now we have David Quinn who just gave us the just win baby, and the pro, like. I understand being amped up after a win, and I'm all for that, but don't you want to understand why you won and whether or not you, you know. That, should have won is like the wrong way to phrase it but you know what i mean like did you win in a way that's sustainable right that's what matters like did you win not the quote-unquote right way but in a way where you can repeat the steps you took the strategies you put in place you know your play style can you make that part of your identity and culture while you're in this build rebuild whatever you want to call it and identify those things that contributed to a win as opposed to the only stat I care about is the win. When your team is outchanced and outshot regularly with with reg, in, with incredible consistency to the point where the Rangers are they're the bottom dog in you know in the shot share in the league. Last I looked, and I don't think that's changed. So, not to interrupt you, which is no, which go, is ahead, go ahead, go ahead. So I was interested to see the Rangers in the month of December. So in the month of December, 
The New York Rangers are 22nd in the league in points percentage. They're exactly 500. Um, if you sort by points, they are 22nd with 13. So it's been a, a pretty touch and go month. Um, and I bring this up just sort of in terms of the rankings, the, the most games played as of this recording is 14. So that's the Blackhawks and the Golden Knights. And then every other team has played either 13 or 12 games with the exception of the Red Wings who have 11 and the Penguins. So pretty much speaking, everyone is sort of on equal footing in terms of games played. When you look at Corsi 4 percentage, the Rangers are 30th this month with a uh, 45.62. Below them is the Detroit Red Wings, who's a team, by all accounts, who, um, you know, is going to be a lottery team. And they're trying to be a lottery team. Like, yeah. They're going out of their way to be a bad team this year. Yeah. So then you look at actual, you know, goals uh, for... So how many goals ha have been scored yeah. um, this month? So the Rangers are 10th with 28. So, you know, you're thinking, okay, 10th. Oh, so right, but we also we will we want to care about um, goals against. Yeah, goals so, against important too. I agree. They've given up 29, which is 8th uh, most this month. So, oh. then you, so then you go goals for, percentage, and they're, they're 19th. Now... When you you hit on the head of the problems with Quinn and the sort of the the most important statistic is winning is because for a young team you want to be teaching the right things you want to be you know the quote unquote playing the right way um, and one of the ways that we can look at that is expected goals and sort of okay based on all of the things that that happened during the course of the game this team by all counts deserve to win. Or by all accounts, this team deserved to lose. And now, obviously, um, every site has a different model in terms of how they calculate, you know, what what's an expected goal and you know the, the shot values and all the things of that nature. But I would say, by and large, the variance between them is not uber dramatic. Where you would say, okay, yeah, it's the slot. Like you want to shoot from. The home plate area, specifically the slot, and you want to pass across Royal Road. Like the thing that most surprises me—not not to cut you off, of course—but the the aversion to the value of data and analytics when a lot of it is really just common sense. Like you know, the, you want to outshoot your opponents, generally speaking. You know, you could agree that makes sense. Why the more wax you get at the pinata the more likely you are to get a bunch of candy but of course not all wax are created equal you want to create quality scoring chances while limiting those so yeah sometimes you it might be better to only have let's say eight really good wax at the pinata as opposed to 20 like low low power wax at the pinata all right. those things are con like they're logical you know, they make sense, and that's what all these models are based off of. And it always fascinates me when we hear coaches talk about, we have our own statistics, we don't use what's publicly available. And why that surprises me so much is that people who are entering the analytics offices, like entering, you know, front offices and hockey operations in the NHL, 
come from the hockey analytics community. They're poached from that community. It's why sites have gone down. That's That happens with relative frequency nowadays. And a lot of times that means we see things that were public come down and become you know, more of a like proprietary, they have an inside track on those things. And all of that is fascinating to me because, like you said, there is variance between things like expected goals, but it's it's not like we're talking about different languages here. The A lot of the stuff is just, it makes sense. Like, where do you want to get shots from? Right in front of the net in the slot area. What sort of chances do you want to create? You want to get the goalie moving laterally. Why? Because that opens up the goalie, and that creates a better chance to score goals. So, expected goals percentage. My question to you, Mike, is without you having you know this loaded on your screen, where do you think the Rangers rank out of the 31 teams this, this month in expected goals for percentage? This month in expected goals for percentage? Yes. I one, would say... 1 through 31. I would say, let's say... The, the fun thing about the Rangers is that they have offense that just... It just is absolutely sabotaged by the defense. I don't know, Tom. Let's say 20th, 25th in that window. So the Rangers are 29th with an expected goals for percentage of 43.99%. Guess who's directly ahead of them? Who's directly ahead of them, Tom? The Detroit Red Wings, who have only picked (laughs) up four points this month. Yeah, and I was looking at the season season-long shot share, and the Rangers are... They're not just behind Detroit still, Tom. They're 44.07 to Detroit's 46.43. Yeah, so... so it's so, br- brutal. Yeah, so the Re- the Rangers, who have picked up 13 points this month, are behind the Red Wings, who have only four points. So, to put that in perspective... The Red Wings have been playing a brand of hockey which is more sustainable in terms of winning than the Rangers, yet there's a, 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 a sizable point differential. 13 for the Rangers, 4 for the Red Wings. And if you even go up, so in 25th is the Oilers. They have 9 points this month. In 22nd is the Sharks, who have 6 points this month. So you have all of these teams who have played worse by a standings perspective, mm. um, that they're they're not being rewarded. So it's, you know, a lot of people will sort of say like, "Well, they're winning, yada yada yada." Um, but good it's power it's, playing, good goaltending here, and they will do that for you. Yeah. So the thirteenth most PDO in the month. Um, so yeah, there's that. So it's again, it's not to live and die by these stats, but you look at these things and it's like okay like ryan strom was on a i think it was 15 or 16 game goal drought and if you look at his underlying That's numbers during drought. that point you say okay this sort of makes sense like you can sort of see the peaks and valleys and you can see okay how many shots is he taking you know mm-hmm. what type of possession does he have you know what type of um high danger chances is he having and then you can sort of see okay and then you know on the flip side, you see someone like Artemi Panarin, who uh, has 18 points this month, and you look at his underlying data, and it's like, you know what? That makes a whole lot of sense. He's putting himself in position to be successful, and he's being rewarded for it. In some cases, he's 
playing a little bit better than and than expected, which for a superstar like Panarin, stuff like that's going to happen. Not so much, you know, say um, Orion Strom, who is a little bit older of a player, who's been a journeyman in this league. Um, so it's these little things that you can look for. Um, I, I would say the best way, the way I sort of um, rationalize it is I can remember um, – as a kid, you would go to games and you would feel like, you know, man, it really felt like they were being hemmed in their own their own zone or man, it felt like they were just sort of, you know, getting slacked. And now we have the ability to say, okay, this is what their, you know, uh, shot share was, this is what their expected goals are. And you can sort of marry the two um, and sort of you know, validate what your what your eyes have seen. It's the quote unquote marrying of the um, the stats and the eye test. Your thoughts, Mike? Yeah, I'm with you, buddy. There's just it's really interesting to me, and I know you know we're kind of going going off about this a little bit, but it's 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 very interesting. Those comments to me, I see more as a red flag than anything else. I. It might be a case of Quinn just trying to flex his muscle a bit here, you know, and just be like, listen, I only really care about winning. And so, you know, because I'm sure he's gotten, you know, he's been asked those questions a lot so far, Um, especially when you're at the helm of a team that just routinely gets outchanced and outshot all the time. And it's very clear to everyone that you're leaning desperately on your goaltending. Um, And... You know, it's it's the we enter the same cycle of, well, why doesn't that change? Why is Lindy Ruff still here? Why yada 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 yada? Anyway, um, let's let's take this opportunity, Tom, to sprinkle in a little little ad break, a little little word from our sponsors deal. Sponsors say things. Just How about like that? that? Great back. great deal, great sponsor deal, Tom. Yeah, hundred percent. Why don't we get free things from sponsors? Yeah, I know. Did we talk to SB Nation about that? Who did we talk to? Yeah, we'll we'll see what kind of a giving mood they're in. Well, like, let's say there's like a an ad for like a terry cloth robe. I want a terry cloth robe. Yeah, it's good to be able to dry yourself off after you know a nice warm bath. Well, who's Terry and why does he get his own cloth? Yeah, so these are good points that you bring up that I I don't think Do about. Pimps lean on their canes. Who's Terry? Anyway. Um, the other game, of course, you know, we, we touched a little bit on, uh, you know, Carolina and Toronto. Um, you know, the Rangers obviously won both of those games. Uh, Tony D'Angelo continues to do things that will make him either expensive or force the Rangers to trade him because they won't be able to afford him. Or both. Uh, yeah, maybe. You, <laughs> yeah, he could be traded and just be someone else's ex- expensive investment. Um, if there was a way to put Tony D'Angelo into a, a a machine and make him a left-handed defenseman, I would I would put money into that machine. But uh, the Rangers cannot do that. We don't have that technology, so we have this ongoing fun problem that we've touched on a bunch this year, which is the left side is just kind of a mess and um, something that I keep meaning to find time to work on. But time is uh, in you know in scarcity right now for me. Uh, is really digging into the numbers on Brady Shea and his season. Um, because, you know, we talk so often about that Rangers left side, and, you know, the best defenseman of that group is Brady Shea, but 
I think we do have to ask ourselves, is he enough? You know what I mean? Is he is he enough or does that or does he represent something the Rangers have to acknowledge is at best the second pair guy and you know, do they have to bring up, you know, uh, a kid maybe earlier than they might want to next season? It'll be very interesting to me to see how that all pans out. Um, anyway, Tom, uh, this might be a good time to touch on, just because we're talking kind of the games, and touch on sweet little Pavel Buchnevich. Um, I was reading uh, Rick Carpinello's story uh, about the Rangers, and he, uh, this was after the Toronto win, um, and he went out of his way to kind of single out Booch, and then in his points, uh, he said something something to the effect of if it seems like I'm singling out Buchnevich or picking on him, I am, um, or something to that effect, which kind of, you know, forced forced me to raise my eyebrow a bit, just because he, like in the very next paragraph where he, you know, went after Buchnevich for not shooting enough. He went after, you know, the defense for making costly mistakes without singling anyone out, Tom. And to me, there is a... One of those things is the greater sin. Making costly errors in the defensive zone, particularly at even strength, versus a creative, skilled player who sometimes doesn't shoot enough. Yeah, it's a very interesting situation. I know which problem I want to have. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, nah, it's and it's tough because by all accounts, the, the if there were a phrase I would use for Booch this month, it's snake bitten. Um, because he's quietly been one of the team's best players this month. Uh, he's third on the team in Corsi 4 percentage behind Panarin and Strom. Uh, in terms of in expected goals, he is third once again behind Strom uh, and Panarin. In terms of scoring chances uh, four, he's fourth on the team behind Fox, Panarin, and Strom. Uh, in terms of shots, he's seventh with 27, but all of that said, he has just two points in 13 games. So he's done pretty much everything but pick up points. So he's driving possession. He is creating valuable chances. And you can clearly see that it is starting to wear on him. Um, one of the worst things to happen to him was in the Toronto game is he had a breakaway. He was taken down. He was given a penalty shot, and he did not score. Um, that was a situation where if he, he scores a goal there, I think that's you know another monkey off his back. Um, and again, it's a very complicated situation because just like you know, Quinn, the most important statistic is winning. For most people, the most important statistic is actual goals and assists. Um, they don't really care about the underlying stuff. They want to see the results. You know, they don't want to hear about the labor pains. They just want the baby. Um, and that the, baby. Yeah, they want that baby Yoda. Um, and it's tough because I, 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 I admit, you know, I'm you know, huge Pavel Buchnevich fan, you know, one of his biggest defenders, and he's had a rough month. But it's not a rough month in the sense where he's coasting or he's not engaged defensively. He's been doing the things that you want to do. Um, and, 
you know, you compare that to say, you know, someone like Chris Kreider, for example, um, who has 11 points this month, he's sort of picked it up offensively, but the underlying lying numbers for Kreider, you know, aren't so great. Um, you know, in comparison to Buchnevich, it's, you know, 48.48 Corsi four percentage, which is less than Buchnevich, um, scoring chances for 47.40 percentage. So while positive relative to the team, um, not better than Buchnevich, but then again, people be like, well, Kreider has been scoring goals and creating assists, which is great. Um, if there were anything that I would take away from Buchnevich's month is that he's just got to stick with it because eventually the puck will, you know, find his way on his stick and it'll go into the net. Very much like we were looking at Chris Kreider, who, you know, he pretty much tagged a goalpost in every arena the Rangers played in. Um, <laughs> It was that it's bad true. where, yeah. yeah, I mean, all the memes and it's stuff and it's, but Kreider eventually broke through and yeah, I mean, Buchnevich is a very easy target and, you know, it's, he's a young player. He's tr in the second year of a deal trying to, you know, prove himself to, if, you know, if he wants to get, uh, you know, more money, um, but it's, I don't know. It's uh it's it's a situation that I think is going to come up more so when it comes time to decide, you know, what the the Rangers uh want to do going forward. Or actually, I misspoke. He's in the uh I think he's at the first year of a contract extension. Yeah. So, he was just given a deal where he wants to prove himself that he can be um counted on going forward. So, all in all, he's still in the top five in scoring on the team. Yeah, so, Pritzfield, that's right, yeah. Yeah, so he's having a decent season. He's having a rough month. But I'll be interested to see what January looks like. Um, but, yeah, it's... I'm of the opinion that Booch, like, we've been talking about Booch for a while. You know, yeah. Joe, Joe and I, and when you were on the show, you know, before you stepped in for Joe, like... We've been talking about what Booch could be. I think Booch is the second-line winger we've been waiting for him to become. Like, that's what he looks like to me. He, he, you watch the flashes of skill, and like, no, he's not a 70, 75-point guy. He's more of a, like... 55-60. 55, exactly. I was going to say 55-60 guy. And you know what? That's really those. good. You want those. And having a guy like that, especially when you have... Knowing you have that on your team when you're trying to develop young wingers like Kravstov and Kako is incredibly valuable because you can ask more of Buchnevich and, you know, I don't know if the idea here is you don't want Buchnevich to give them bad ideas, you know, by passing when he should shoot, but at the end of the day, he's a very effective hockey player. I don't have, I just don't, like, in my opinion, I don't point to any Rangers forward as like the scapegoat here. I don't like I don't even blame Howden, you know, I know what his underlying numbers are, but it's not Howden's fault that he's in the NHL when he probably should be developing the NHL. You know what I mean? Like I don't hold that against Brett Howden. I wonder why David Quinn admitted that he gives Howden more leash just because Howden seems to have the the right stuff or whatever the hell the reason was, I forget. But, you know, like, little things like that bother me. But I don't I don't look at any of the Rangers D and say, I mean, any of the Rangers forwards and say, this guy is in the role that 
he should be in, he's underperforming dramatically. Like, Kreider had a, his rough stretch. Booch has had a rough stretch. Like, those things happen. What were you going to say, Tom? Yeah, I mean, it was interesting that you bring up Howden, who I would say, since being moved to the wing, has looked a lot better. Um, he's been a guy who he's looked more confident, and I think... You know, if he's someone that they're going to play on the wing, maybe we have a different understanding or appreciation for what Howden can bring. Maybe he's not going to be, um, you know, a defensive player that drives possession, but he can be someone who, you know, is can chip in offense in a bottom six role. But yeah, in terms of the defense, like the Rangers as a whole, you know, all I think of is, you know, that this is fine meme. Um, you're sitting in a room that's on <laughs> fire. Yeah. So to sort of go into individual things and go, well, all right, well, you know, you're this much on fire, so, but I don't really care about, you know, this that's, you know, burning a little hotter. Um, but again, it's, I, I don't know why the defense isn't held more uh, accountable as, as a whole. Um, you know, I guess, you know, un- unless you're, you're someone who thinks that the Rangers made a mistake in terms of uh, Jacob Truba and Kevin Hayes, but you know that that's a whole bowl of wax and story uh, for another day, as far that's, as I'm yeah, concerned. That's a whole other can of worms. Um, and, you know, we want to get to wrapping up the show, but there is some other Rangers-related hockey going on, of course, Tom, which is the World Juniors, um, and the Rangers have a bunch of babies playing. Uh, they have. Zach Jones and Keandre Miller on Team USA. They have Nico Gross on Switzerland, and they have Henrik Carlsson and Nils Lundqvist on Sweden. Am I forgetting anybody? No, I think I think that's it. Um, For some reason, I was like, I'm positive there's five, but in my head, I was like, there might be six. Anyway, um, it's been, you know, I, I know a lot of people are pointing to uh, the turnover that Keandre Miller had. Um, and how it resulted in, you know, a tough break for Team USA. But uh, he's had, in my opinion, from what I've been able to see, he's had a fine World Junior so far. Um, I don't think that's a stretch to say. Zach Jones, I think, has looked really good. Um, Nils Lundqvist, I think, last time I looked, he had... I'm trying to look it up right now. He was at, yeah, three games and three assists. Um, He's a plus three. I haven't gotten to watch much of Sweden. Um, I've only really been able to watch little stretches of USA, and I haven't haven't watched much of uh, of Switzerland either. So, um, with that being said, Nico Gross has also, I believe, picked up a point. I, forget, I, I think it was just an assist, but uh, Zach Jones has looked really, really good. That pick is looking better by the day to me. Like, gosh, that was a good, very, very good third round pick by the uh, the scouting department there to to suggest. Uh, Zach Jones. I think I said Zach Smith. I don't know why I did that. Anyway, and uh, Henrik Carlson has picked up a couple assists, which is great to see. And yeah, overall, it's you know, it's it's great. I think Zach Jones had he had such a hard job, like just to get on this team from where he was, based on like the other D that were there and where they went in the draft, and you know what sort of reputation they had. You know, it was not easy for him to crack this roster and. He's done everything you could hope, really, in my opinion. Like, he's been great. Um, so, to me, he's the biggest success story, other than how just overall competent and solid Nils Lundqvist looks, which has also been the case of his play 
in you know the SHL, um, you know with Lulia and you know Tom. It's nice. It's it's really nice to see the kids coming together. It makes me happy. I hope I hope we get a very solid. You know I hope everyone continues to play well. I think is it Keandre is at just two assists in four games, but you know. I know there's, I think some Rangers fans have been kind of critical of him, um, pointing to the production and, you know, saying that he hasn't made, you know, significant enough strides. I don't, I don't know. A lot of people said he might have been underwhelming in last year's Worlds, but he was playing on his offside and he also was banged up. So, like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know where the, the desire to criticize a very young defenseman who's, who's, not exactly seasoned in the position because it wasn't that long ago when he made the transition to D and I don't know why the criticism is there for him. Why can't we have a nice thing is my question, but uh, yeah. Interesting. Any takeaways from Worlds from Utah? So I would say one Twitter account, if people are not following that they should, it's at Olivia Y. Lynn, so it's O L I V I A Y L I N. Uh, she does tremendous work. She posts these charts, um, looking at you know game score, looking at zone entries and exits. Um, you know, pretty much after every game, and it gives you some good context of how um, you know each player played in in the game. Um, I'll retweet it um, from my feed, or once uh, the podcast goes live, I'll you know, include her, her handle, but it's another good way of just sort of understanding, you know, in context, because like you said, these tournaments, um, they can get a little crazy with scoring. So it may be hard to evaluate, oh, wow, you know, this was a six, five game, not really a defensive, you know, barn burner. Um, but it's valuable information that you can sort of use. And, um, Jones has been someone who he's been one of, uh, one of the better players I've seen, um, in terms of the D on, on, on a few of the charts. So that's promising for someone. Um, I know, I think it was, I'm trying to remember exactly one, but Adam had wrote about, about Jones and how he's someone who, um, you know, is, is better than we originally thought. So it's, uh, it's good times for uh, Rangers fans, and I I think it was you had brought up um, Nils Lundqvist. He had actually assisted on a goal along with uh, Carl Henriksen, so it's sort of a you know future blue shirt connection. Uh, pretty cool to see. Yeah, very cool to see. Um, I think that'll do it for this week's show, Tom. Let's read our lovely, lovely patrons off, who we wouldn't be able to do the show without. Uh, thank you to Adam Nahoic, Aiden Gaspar, Amriel Kistner, Andrew Chicagov, Anthony Anthony Viola. I don't know why I said Anthony. Felt very, very hoity-toity there. Arch Williams, Bob Kawa, Bobby Callahan. Can't believe it. Change my name for Joe. Captain America, Chris Abibi, Chris Lucas, Chris O'Connor, Clark Carroll, Craig Lachlan, Dan Carosi, Daniel DeGen, Danny Santiago, David L. Singer, Eric Cohn, Eric Carlson, Fancy Lawrence, Gabriel Vargas, George Littman, Igor Zaslavsky, James Dangles, Jermaine Francis, John Reppy, Jordan Sassone, Keith Franchillo, Kyle Napolitano, Matt from Brooklyn, Michael Canick, Michael Marcus, Michael Scott, Michael Silvers, Nikolai Hoffman, Panarin 2020, Patrick Landolt, Stieg Bjolbach, Stink Fleeman, Tall Guy Rob, The Tin Man, Toy from Manhattan, and Trevor Kempner. Thank you all very, very much. Uh, like I said before, there wouldn't be a show without you. And... You know what, Tom? The new year wouldn't be as, as full of promise without those lovely people. Uh, but thank you to everyone who listens 
to the show. We hope everyone has a really happy, healthy uh, holiday season and that your 2020 is filled with, you know, good health, good fortune, uh, quality time with family and friends and, you know, take care of yourselves. It's, you know, the start of a new year. I know New Year's resolutions are cliche and gimmicky, but it is a good opportunity to be like, hey, you know, do I drink enough water? Do I get enough sleep? Am I being good to myself? Ask yourselves those questions. And if it makes you uncomfortable to ask yourselves that questions, it might tell you something. Yeah, I would say, um, you know, whatever you do, try and focus on it, um, you know, the best of your ability. Enter the new year with a clear 2020 vision, and uh, you might have some success there. I like see, it. All right, Tom. See, see what I did it. there? 2020 I vision? I see what you did there. I appreciate it. I mean, well, I, I wear glasses. You wear glasses, so, so yeah. Yeah, exactly. You you're full of shit is what I'm trying to say. And with that... Oh, 100%. <laughs> have a good one, folks.